my life is yours my hope is in you only my heart you hold cause you made the sinner holy My 
So this is kind of a buffet, you know. Last night we were at Chris and Jenny's for Jenny's birthday, and they had chicken, and they had venison, and they had steak, something. Anyway, they just had this variety of things. The venison, listen, venison is either done wrong and really bad <laughs> or done right and really good. It was the best venison I've ever had last night, so kudos to whoever that was. So this is a buffet, and you might find meatloaf and spaghetti in the same plate, but that's just what you want to eat today, so I'm just going to go really random here. Um, <clears throat> I was called into youth ministry several years ago, and I was in youth ministry for about 10 years. And uh, an elder stepped up and said, your job, your, your first priority is to uh, reconnect the, the, the uh, children to their father. And I took, I took that on. I knew that that was a word from the Lord. And the Lord said to me that you are an Isaac bridge to the Abraham and Jacob generation. See, we have to be all together. We have to reconnect here. But what a journey this was. How many of you have ever gotten to the point where you say, I would love ministry if it weren't for these people? <laughs> yeah. I just want to go back to the music business. My bar scene was more loving than the church scene was sometimes. And how many of you have ever come to the point where you just say, I'm done. I'm just done. I'm not done with you, Jesus. I'm not done coming to church. I'm not done loving on people. But I'm done with this ministry thing. I'm just done. Well, this is where I got. And um, it was just such a battle to try to be this thing that God said, this Isaac Bridge. I was born in 1965. I turned 5-0. <laughs> And I have waited my whole life to be 50. I don't know why, but I just knew, seriously, I knew something is going to happen when I'm 50. I told my dad when I was a teenager, my music won't even make sense until I'm older. And when I would say the word older, I meant 50. <clears throat> and um, so, and I think it's kind of interesting that we have this 40th birthday even today. I just think that that's prophetic in this. So I would look at the Abraham generation and I would say, but listen, we're the Abraham generation, but listen... <laughs> To ask these kids to do this is to ask them to fight a modern-day war, war with cannonballs. Cannonballs don't fight in this war. But I would look at the kids and say, but you don't understand. You need cannonball wisdom. You're not listening anymore because you're like, cannonball? What am I supposed to do with a cannonball? You want me to sing hymns? I can't sing hymns. Like, we got to do Hillsong, you know. All, all this stuff. And so my granddad, we call him Boompaw. Long story, but we call him Boompaw from Jimmy Stewart movie. And he is one of the most resourceful, wise men that I've ever been around. And so he would do, they would do crazy things back in the 40s. They would hitchhike from one side of Texas to the other side of Texas, probably to get to their girlfriends. But they would have, or, or they would somehow get a vehicle. You know, we don't know how they would get this vehicle, but they just, somehow they'd get a vehicle, right? But it didn't really work, so Boompaw, it was the brothers, the Riley brothers. So Boompaw would sit on the, on the hood pouring the gasoline while Sonny would drive, you know, just all the way down the highway. And then uh, the tire blew out, so he just cut his boot off, took some bailing wire, patched the tire up with the boot, you know. So <laughs> the Jacob generation just says, um, <clears throat> Talia is three. Have you ever seen her run a, a, an iPhone? And the Jacob generation goes, what do you mean you can't run an iPhone? Like, like, 
like Talia can run a, an iPhone. Like, like I don't be, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but y'all are kind of stupid. And that, like, in their defense, they kind of can't help it, right? So this is the Hannah Montana generation. Hannah Montana was based on making fun of her stupid dad. It's the whole show, every episode. Not only making fun of her stupid hillbilly dad, but I gotta, I gotta take control. Dad cannot handle this, I gotta run the house. It's Jezebel, so, so Jezebel. And I would tell the youth, listen, you can tell me all day long that you never watched an episode of Hannah Montana, but I guarantee you that you were affected by it. Because the people who did brought that attitude into this room, and it, and it permeated. And you guys are the mirror, you mirror each other. You literally just look at each other and whatever the other one's doing, that's what it's all about. It's the, a narcissistic nation. So, they would come to me as this musical mom or this ministry mom, and they would be starving, like starving, and they would say, you know, feed us. I mean, they wouldn't really say that, but you could just see it, like, oh, we're, we're, we're starving. So I'd begin to feed them, and the food fight was on. Do you all know the food fight, right? And I finally said, just a few weeks ago, listen, <laughs> I was trying to get a message to a, a completely entitled young artist. And so this is a whole other level because when, when you're of the entitlement generation, you're of the Hannah, Hannah Montana generation, and you're an artist, and you're anointed, you have this, see, the, the enemy comes in, that Lucifer thing comes in and says you're to be worshipped. So let's just get that straight. You're supposed to be worshipped. So, and basically the whole world needs to come and accommodate your needs for your anointing. And if you don't see these people bowing down to you and accommodating your needs, you just need to move on to the next one that will. Well, people worshippers are the last people that you want to be around. And you'll learn that it, when you're around people worshippers and they begin to worship you, you'll get, just get sick. You're starving. It's a backward thing. And so I said, she said, I, I just don't receive what you're saying to me. That's not what I come for. I, that's not what I came for. I didn't, came, I didn't come to hear that. So I just rebuked that word and I don't come to hear that. As lovingly as I could try to get this to her. And I said, you know what? <laughs> when my toddler, uh, when my son was a toddler, I, I fed him. And he loved Hawaiian delight. You know Hawaiian delights like pineapple and banana. And it's wonderful. I, I eat it. I used to eat it right out. You know, just I loved it. And, but I would have killed him if I just fed him Hawaiian delight, right? But I come to you with the peas and the carrots and you start spitting them out at me and throwing them around the room. And I, I, I listen, can we just stop the food fight? Seriously, seriously, can we just stop the food fight? And, and can we, the Abraham generation, can we stop shoving it down their throat and just, you know, and, you know, it's, it's, you're running after a child with a pair of scissors in their hand. You know, you, you don't run after them in fire breathing, whatever. You run after them with love and grace, and then you gently take those scissors out of their hand. And so I'm not declaring that I have the answers, but, um, you know, you get the... <laughs> Eye rolling. You know, I mean, I know you guys know that Isaac generation and the, and the Abraham generation know that this Jacob generation will smile at you right now. Look at your beautiful gray hair. My gosh, you have beautiful gray hair. And they'll just smile at you and, yes, okay, awesome. I think you're kind of an idiot, but okay, yeah, uh -huh. yeah, we'll do that. And then they'll come over here. Did you hear what she said? Oh my God, whatever that is. Oh my goodness. So I'm a pretty sensitive person in about 10 years of that. <laughs> just about did me in, but um, there's a testimony in this, and the Lord has had me release it. This is only the second time I was in Raleigh on Wednesday. And um, so I had a, a leader in my youth group, and I called it Barrel Full of Monkeys. Remember the Barrel Full of Monkeys toy? All the monkeys hung off the tail of another monkey. Okay, he was the first monkey, and all the kids fell off. I mean, hung off of this kid. And his name was Zach. And whatever Zach did, that's what everybody else was going to do. He was super athletic. He was super intelligent. He was a drummer. He was, a, he was amazing. And they would all follow him around. And Zach fell flat in love with Jesus. I mean, I don't know that I've ever seen anyone fall in love with Jesus like this kid fell in love with Jesus. And so therefore, all the other kids fell flat in love with Jesus. And a revival broke out among this youth group. As a matter of fact, Steve Hill, the uh, evangelist of Pensacola, said this youth group was the most spiritually mature youth group he had ever seen. 
and that he couldn't even pair them with his youth. He had to pair them with his college kids and to minister to his college kids. And that was after I was gone, and that's not glory to me. I stepped into this. I, I was right with them. Woo! I don't know what God is doing, but wow! And, um, but there was a thing on Zach when he was young. He was about 15, and he had this flirty thing on him. And so I finally, you know, led by the Holy Spirit, sat down with him and said, listen, I'm going to get real with you about this. This is just a little bitty thing right now. But if you don't take this flirty thing to the Lord, this is going to become a big demon in your path. And it will take you out of ministry. And so uh, he would honestly try to listen to that, but not, uh, not, not, a lot of, not a lot of accountability. Not a lot of accountability from men in that. And I was trying to link them, you know. And in college, he began to experiment with drugs. And he came back, and they continued to keep him in leadership. And uh, there was kind of a grace thing, you know, like let's, you know, we can have some grace for this, and let's just let him realign. And we went through that a few times. I was no longer the youth pastor, and they would call me and say, oh, no, you know, this is what happened. And I'd say, well, I'm not the youth pastor, but I'll intercede. And I, you know, I had such a, a, a real connection with this kid and about three other in the leadership. They were, they were spiritual children to me. And God said that he would give me spiritual children. And uh, so he, it continued to get worse and worse. They went to Bethel. They went to the school. They came back. They were building a church, kind of a millennial church based on what they had learned at Bethel. And I was there to develop. We had five worship teams at that time that we were going to send out all over the state of Texas. And I learned uh, quickly after taking that assignment that it, this problem had gotten much, much worse. And so my husband and I had to just step up and say, you know, we love you all so much, but we just can't walk with this. I mean, we, uh, he, he has to come out of leadership. And, and, and what came back at me was you're trying to punish him, and we're doing culture of honor here. And uh, you're trying to punish, the, you want him punished. I said, no, I don't want him punished, I want him free. And we ended it with, I, let's, let's all go read Culture of Honor. I love Danny Silk. I love Culture of Honor. I think Culture of Honor is my nature. I think it's our kingdom nature, right? But there's a point when you're enabling a really bad thing. And uh, so I really, I'm a set and, and watched a lot, of, a lot of different videos and really prayed through this. But I ended with, you all pray for me about Culture of Honor. And I'll pray for you about Culture of Honor. And, and the, Lord, you know, the Holy Spirit will just pour out the truth. And a year later, I got a phone call, and Zach had gone to be with the Lord. And we lost him. And I was at Bethel a few months ago, and I know that I can release this to you guys. And I had an encounter, and I don't know what to make of this, but um, I had an encounter where either... I'm having an encounter with Zach, who's in heaven, or the Lord is letting me perceive this, but whatever the message was from Zach, you have to let them know that we were off track. You have to tell this Jill. You have to let them know that it's not a culture of honor thing, that we were so off track, and we need you. And so in Raleigh, and I will do it again on Mother's Day, I recommit myself to be a mother to the millennials. I will not leave you. We cannot leave them. Yeah, we cannot leave them. There is such greatness in this generation. And Jesus took me to this. He said, I want to show you vulnerable leadership. This is what vulnerable leadership looks like. Whenever Peter lobbed off the ear of the uh, persecutor, I've never seen this before, but I saw it like a bar fight, okay? I've never seen a bar fight, but this is how I saw it. Like when you lob somebody's ear off, the fight is on, people. Everybody's got their weapon pulled, and they're on the defense, and the fight is on. And Jesus stepped up to that man, right up to him. And what would be the action? It would be that he would thrust a sword right into his gut right there. I don't know why the man didn't. But that's how vulnerable Jesus said, okay, even if you thrust a sword, you're going to thrust a sword while I'm healing your ear. While I'm healing your ear. And that's what Jesus said, I want you to do, even if they're thrusting a sword, even if they're spitting the peas and carrots in your face. 
You don't get to be done. You don't get to be done. And I fully believe that we have stepped over the threshold of the next great awakening. I really believe this. We have got to connect these generations. And we've got to know the difference between honor and codependency. Yes, we've got to know what boundaries look like. And we need some inner healing in this. And, and, and that's, that's, really, that's really all that I have. So, Lord, I just pray right now. I just submit myself to your Holy Spirit. I say, come and heal every last one of us. Every last one of us. And those of us who need to sit down and be quiet for a while in your presence, that we would just sit down. We'd say, this is for my good. Yes, every one of us. And we're no longer slaves to fear. I would talk to the Abraham generation. They'd say, I'm scared of those kids. No, we're not slaves to fear. Yeah. I had a divine appointment in, in Raleigh with a kid, 20-year-old kid. He's in biomed school, whatever. And I, was, I just went off on this. I just said this, you know. And he said, you know, that's exactly my testimony. There was a 65-year-old man who just came and just began to pour wisdom into me. And the love of the Lord. And I said, that's the church. And he said, yes. That's the church. That's the church. So we surrender. The Lord said, I'm going to take you into the body shop. None of you know what the body looks like. It's such a mangled wreck at this point. None of you, no generation on earth knows what the body actually looks like. But I'm taking the whole body into the body shop. And I'm going to begin to to mend and heal all those dents and, and, and breaking, breakage and all of that. And you're going to see what this body is really supposed to look like. So we just receive that, Holy Spirit. Yeah, we just receive that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want you to go with me to first uh, or second Samuel. I want to share with you an experience that happened here. And I know that it, it speaks to what God is doing here, but I, I believe there's a word for all of us. And if you'll just grab, there are three main things that you need to understand that we need to grab hold of. Because um, we've got we've to walk in understanding in this time. We have to walk in wisdom. Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And uh, because, you know, we really, I agree so much. We don't want, I mean, there's a place for John the Baptist, but we want to move on. And we want to be as much like Jesus. I think we're not to be conformed into the image of John the Baptist, but the image of Jesus. Is that right? And so we want to be so filled with love and passion. But we want wisdom, too. We want to be able to avoid the things that, that we need to avoid. Now, 2 Samuel chapter 21. I want to read through this, this chapter and point out some things. And then I'm going to share an amazing prophetic experience that happened here a week ago. Not this past week, but it was a week ago, Tuesday, two weeks from this coming Tuesday, that I believe says something to us. Now, verse 1. Now, there was famine in the days of David for three years, year after year. Now, we understand the Bible is filled with sudden, unexpected hardships, calamities, things you didn't plan on, maybe you knew some about, but things that just all of a sudden, you know, just burst on the scene. And you've got to be ready to handle it. I mean, if you know that, life's that way. Life's not always a bed of roses. You know, every rose bush, there are some thorns around. And sometimes things just come up unexpected. You've got to be ready. How, what do you do in the midst of it? Well, it says, and David inquired of the Lord. That was the key to his success. It'll be the key to yours and my success in the coming days. To keep inquiring of the Lord. Just keep calling on his name. And the Lord answered David, and he said, it, it is because of Saul. Here's the reason. There's a cause and effect of, of what was happening. Here it was a famine. He said, it is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house, because he killed the Gibeonites. And there is. There's a cause and effect. And so it is with the blessing of God. There was the curse, and then there's the blessing. There are two mountains, and it's up to us as to what mountain we're going to stand on. He said, if my people which are called by my name. That means we have to respond to him to walk in the blessing. How many of you know that? 
We gotta, you gotta yield to the Holy Spirit. Yield to the truth. Just hearing the truth is not enough. We've gotta, we gotta receive it and walk in and believe it. So he goes on. So the, the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but of the remnant of the Ammonites. And the children of Israel had sworn protection to them. But Saul had sought to kill them in his zeal for the children of Israel and Judah. Now, they had sworn protection, but Saul sought to kill them. He was zealous. You know there is a human zeal that will not produce kingdom reality. And you can be zealous for good works. You can be zealous for the things of the kingdom of God. But if it's not of the Spirit, if it's not at the anointing, as uh, Dylan just shared with us, you're going to mess things up. Men, the zeal of man will cause more trouble than, than any demon could ever cause. I mean, demons are going to cause trouble, but the zeal of man will cause a lot of trouble as well. Do you remember Isaiah? We won't go there because I'm going to speed through this. But remember Isaiah chapter 9 talks about how the increase of his government, there shall be no end. How's it going to happen? Anybody remember what it says? The increase of his peace and of his government, there shall be no end. It says right under that, and the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this. And so it's not the zeal of man. We want to be zealous, but it's the zeal of God that comes on us. And that's what's happening in this hour. There's something we can't explain. Man didn't create it. Man can't stir it up. It's of heaven. It's the anointing. It's the zeal of God. So let's go on. So they had this zeal, and, um, but it didn't work. Now look in verse 3. Therefore David said to the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you, and with what shall I make atonement, that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? Because they're under a curse, because they, they broke their vow. And the Gibeonites said to him, We will have no silver or gold. We don't want any of your money from Saul or from his house, nor shall you kill any man in Israel for us. Don't kill him for us. So he said, whatever you say, I will do for you. And so there had to be some satisfaction. Now, you know, they had to make atonement. You know, blood has to be shed. How many of you know that? Somebody's got to die for our sin. Either we're going to die or we're going to trust in his death. That's the atonement Jesus made. He was that. He satisfied the wrath of God. Now, here there's a, there had to be some satisfaction. So verse 5, then they answered the king. As for the man who consumed us and plotted against us, that we should be destroyed from remaining in any of the territories of Israel, let seven men of his descendants be delivered to us, and we will hang them before the Lord in Gilbeah of Saul, whom the Lord chose. And the king said, I will give them. So there it is. They, they didn't kill them. They turned them over to these guys, and so they, they hung them. Now, verse 7. Now, this is a strange story. But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the Lord's oath that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. So the king took Ammoni and Mephibosheth. Now, this is a different Mephibosheth. How I many of you know there are two of them? Just like there are two Davids. There are two Mephibosheths here. The two sons and Rizpah, the daughter of Ahi, whom she bore to Saul, and the five sons of Micah, Michael, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought up. Verse 9, and he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them on the hill before the Lord. So they fell, all seven together, and they were put to death in the days of the harvest, in the first days in the beginning of the harvest. Now, you, this is something we have to understand. In the harvest, what's going to happen? All the seeds that have been planted are going to suddenly spring forth and they're going, to be, they're going to become fruit. All the evil seeds are going to spring forth. Good seeds, prayers that people have been praying. Also wickedness. The harvest is like a harvest of everything that's been sown. Is that right? Everybody knows that. And so things are going to happen. And uh, it's going to be true, man. Those that have been in such rebellion against God and they've sown things... Uh, they've sown discord, whatever. It's all going to come forth in the days of the harvest. That's why we got to make sure our heart is pure before the Lord. In harvest time, you don't want any hidden sins. You want to make sure you're ready you're for the glory that's coming. Because the glory will expose things. You know, whatever was sown is, I mean, you know, don't, 
Don't try to fool God. Everything that's sown, it, we're going to reap it. And so it's harvest time in verse 9. And uh, so he's the first days in the beginning. Now verse 10. Now Rizpah, the daughter of Ahah, took sackcloth. Now this is really good. This is cool. And spread it before herself on the rock from the beginning of harvest until the late rains poured on them from heaven. Now that's really good. Sackcloth represents what? Repentance. During the harvest season, during this time of awakening, repentance is going to be one of the key notes of what's happening during the entire time of the harvest. And what I saw when I was reading this is that the Lord, it's almost like he was going to come and pour out a, or lay over America a big sackcloth. Now, not everybody's going to repent, but many will repent in this time of the harvest. And it's going to be the theme. That's what I was so encouraged about in West Virginia. There was that theme of repentance, getting right with God, turning your life over to Him, yielding everything that you are to Him. It wasn't on the trinkets that God is doing. It was on God Himself, getting right with God. And so it is. There's that sackcloth. But notice what she had to do. And she did not allow the birds of the air to rest on them by the day, nor the bird or the beast of the field by night. Now that speaks of our part of spiritual warfare. And I'm going to talk about that in, in just a moment. And then verse 11. Let me read the rest. And David was told what Rizpah, the daughter of Ahab, the concubine of Saul, had done. And David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from the men of Jabesh-Gilead, who had stolen them from the street of Bethshan, where the Philippines had hung them. Verse 13, so he brought up the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from there, and they gathered the bones of those who had been hanged. And they buried the bones of Saul and Jonathan, his son, in the country of Benjamin, in the tomb of Kish, his father. Now watch this. So they performed all that the king commanded. And after that, say after that. And after that, God heeded the prayer for the land. After that, God heeded the prayer for the land. Now, i got to make this personal. I hope I'm not confusing anybody, but I'm trying to get it all out. Because so much has happened recently. And if I don't get it outright, it's okay. You're going to get it by the Spirit. I'm just going to pray, pray God, just download it on them. But there's something about this. After that, God heeded the prayer for the land. Sometimes... There's something in the way of the blessing of God breaking out in your life. How many of you would know that? You pray, you fast, you cry, you spit, you do everything. You bind every demon that you can imagine. And yet there's something still hanging on that won't let you enter in. How many of you have ever been there? You believe God. You press on. You endure. You say, bless God, I'm going to have faith, I'm going to endure to the end. But there's more to it. We've been destined to walk in the blessing of God. We've been destined to walk in an inheritance. There's an inheritance for this ministry. There's an inheritance for your life. But sometimes there are things that, that hold it up. Well, I discovered one of the things that was holding us up. Can I just tell you? It was the Father's blessing. The man that donated this land to this church. What was it? 15, 18? I don't even remember. About that many years ago. Something happened. I don't know. We're not going there. I'm not reminiscing so as to uncover any baggage. I'm just saying there needed to be something done. So anyway, here's what happened. About... Four weeks ago now, I get a call in the middle of the night. I reach over and pick up my cell phone, and on the phone is Neil Blake. Neil is who donated this land to Morningstar, that a church would be built here. And then something happened. I don't know, whatever, something happened. Anyway, I picked up the phone, Neil, Neil, Neil. And I just missed him. I thought I missed him. His name was not even in my phone. It was a dream. And I saw his name on, on my cell phone. So I thought, this is good. God's telling me. Neil must be going to call me. So anyway, I called him and just checked on him and things. But a week ago Tuesday, he calls me. He says, David, I've got to come. I want to reconcile. I want to, I want to be there. 
I want to bless the land, I, all this kind of stuff. So we, we meet right here. He and the, the guy that did the original business dealing over the land. I, I don't, he told me he's the kind of guy in the background, so don't even mention his name. But he said when he drove up to the property, he saw Jesus waiting the, at the gate of West Meadows, waiting for him. And welcomed him because he had been hurt or something. And Jesus was saying, come on, it's okay. I'm going to take you back in the land. And so Jesus leads him into the land. Anyway, they come, they gather in. And we just get around here. We hold hands together and they start blessing, you know, and praying, repenting. I was able to repent for my ancestors. Had nothing to do with it. But I, we, I said, forgive us of any sin, anything, you know, we did, any disappointment. I, I'm not going there, but you don't understand. Forgive us. Anything. And so he said, you're forgiven, all this. And then I said, Neil, you got to bless the land. And then he blessed it. He said, I bless this property. Every purpose of God, it's time to break out. Every vision, every dream, all the angels that have been gathering here, get to work. I mean, this is it. So anyway, I thought, now that was incredible. One of the guys, his name was Aswan. He's, a, he's from Nashville. He's a recording artist. He was the first intercessor on this property. He lived in the bottom of the Welcome Center way before anything was built. And he, he lived there and he would walk around the property and pray back in those days. And so God brought the first intercessor here. As far as he knew. I mean, maybe there were others. But he lived here. And he would pray and all, all of us got on the ground. Well, I, I get home that night and I just happened to read 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 14. And here's what he said. And after that... God heeded the prayer for the land. And I said, I said, God, you mean after that? After, that's what I thought. I said, God, how can that be? How can I read a scripture that fits like that? It's got to be by chance. You mean after that? He said after that. After that. God heeded the prayer for the land. Now, I know that speaks of this place, but I'm telling you, I'm prophesying it over your life. This is a season of after that. After that, I don't know where you've been, but if you'll run to Jesus and trust in His atoning sacrifice, if you'll run to Him, this is after that. It's the time for the blessing of God. And I'm ready to walk in it. How about you guys? Now, I'm going to, you know, you, here's how I break this up. I'm going to just give you three points. Because there's a past, there's a present, and there's a future. Number one, we must bury the past. Say, bury the past. We must embrace the present. Say that. Embrace the present. And then we must be fully engaged in warfare for our future. All right? So those are three things. I'm going to cut it real short. But we got to, number one, bury the past. David buried the bones of Jonathan and Saul. The past can be a very strong captor. You know what I'm talking about. The past can keep you held back. I had a vision of many people. It was like they, they were connected to a bungee cord. And they would try to, to get free. They wanted to walk in their, the inheritance that God's called you to. But you kept being pulling back, pulled back to, to something. Now, this is the way I think sometimes. I'm, I'm not always that spiritual. But as I'm looking at this, I had a flashback. Now, you've got to understand, we didn't have cell phones, iPhones, U-phones, whatever. We didn't have all that stuff. We didn't have computers when I was a young guy. I was part of the Three Stooges generation. You know, we watched, we, you did too. We would get home, we would watch the Three Stooges, Gomer Pyle, Get Smart. It never made me any smarter. But, but I had a, how many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Now, you young guys, you have no foggy idea. It's just... But anyway, I had a flashback, and I remembered one time when Curly, was go they were at a big formal gathering, a formal dinner, and it was a dance party, and he sat down on a couch, and this spring caught hold to him from the couch somehow, caught on his belt loop, and he went on the dance floor, and he's dancing with this girl, and he backs up, and Moe, wouldn't you know, Moe gets caught too, so they're both caught by this spring, back to back. And so Curly's trying to dance with this girl, but then they get far apart and the spring pulls him back. You know what I'm talking about? He bumps in the mole. Wasn't a good idea to bump in the mole. Anyway, so he goes back and he's dancing with the girl. And then he, he jerks back and he bumps in the mole. And this happened a number of times. And then if you remember what happened, he finally gave up on the girl, started dancing with mole. 
And I thought, some of you guys, you're still dancing with Mo. Get out of the, get off the dance floor with Mo. Get out of the old mode. Get loose. Get free from the past. It's not going to do you any good. Break loose of that spring. I'm going to declare today, if there's some spring on your back holding you, we're going to break it off of you in the name of Jesus. And this is what you, this, this day and time is what you've been made for. Bury the past. Bury the past. I don't care. Some disappointment, you know, some tragedy. Man, life, tragedies happen to everybody. Your tragedy wasn't the worst tragedy in the history of tragedies. We've all had tragedies. Things have happened. There is a counselor. You know what will really make it right. Now, now, I'm not speaking bad about counseling. There comes a time, you know, I'm sure it's good, it helps you. I know the greatest counselor in the history of the earth. His name is the Holy Spirit. And he's a wonderful, Jesus is a wonderful counselor. And you can bury it. You can be free from the past once and for all. And then you can, you can move on and dance with Mo. Then you've got to embrace the present. Listen, now this is what God gave me. I'm just going to tell you like I saw it. Listen to this. What God says to us today is always grounded in what he has already said, but he speaks to us in a way so as to prepare us for what he eventually wants us to hear. i got to repeat it because I know it's, it's confusing. It's long. What God says to us today is always grounded in what he has already said, but he speaks to us in a way so as to prepare us for what he really wants us to eventually hear. Does that make sense? There are things that God wants you to know. There are things He wants to tell you. And He's getting ready, getting you ready. But you've got to embrace what He's saying right now. You've got to, you've got to know Him as the God who is, the God who was, and the God who is to come. But He will be the God who is to come when you get to know Him as the God who was and the God who is. And focus on the God who is right now. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And so you follow him, and he will tell you what is to come when you get there. How many is that? How does that make sense? You know, I spent so much of my early part of my life trying to figure out the will of God. Have you ever done that? God, what's your will? What's your will? What's your will? God, what am I going to become? What are you, what are you going to do? What is all this about? How many of you, have you been there? You know, yeah, what is your will? What is your will? Then I found out, wait a minute. He's got all that covered. He is... It's Him. Jesus is the will of God. I just got to look at Him. I got to focus on Him. I got to love Him. I got to follow Him. And if I do, the will of God is going to walk right out in my life. I'm going to look back. It's not that I'm going to see all of it before me, but I'm going to see it behind me. I'm going to say, God, how did you do it? How many of you have been there? God, how did you do that? Why didn't you tell me about it? Because if He'd have told you about it, you'd have messed it up. And so there's some things you don't need to know. You just need to know Him. Does that make sense? I found out he does a much better job of leading me than I am at following him. How many of you found that too? He's better. He does a much better job of speaking to me than I do at listening to him too. And so guess who gets the hard part? Jesus. He's got the hard part. Don't, end, don't underestimate what God is saying and doing right today in your life. That's just what I want to tell you. Embrace the present. Sometimes it looks like God's not doing anything. I can promise you he is doing a whole lot. He said, Jesus said, my father and me have been working. And we are working. God is not laid off in your life. He's working in you right now. Things that you just are, you're going to get to walk in later. But you've got to embrace it right now. Amen. And then the next thing, we must fully in, be engaged in the warfare for the future. You're going to have to do a little warring for your future. I wish I could tell you, okay, now there is this trusting God, keeping Jesus. But did you see what happened? He says, after they laid the sackcloth, she said, and she did not allow the birds of the air to rest on them by day, nor the beasts of the field by night. 
There is something she had to do. She had to shoo off the birds. And I can tell you, the enemy will try to devour what's been planted in your life. And I was thinking about all the battlegrounds right now. There are a number of battlegrounds that we are engaged in. Number one, there are literal battlegrounds in the earth where there are real conflicts going on. In Libya, many places, and the blood of men and women are being shed. And then, but there's a, there's a battleground in the mind. How many of you know that? Maybe the greatest battle you'll ever get involved in is right here between these two, two holes in your ear, head. You know what I'm talking about? It's a battle, man. The enemies. That's why he said, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Not every thought is from God. A lot of thoughts didn't, the enemy planted them there. And so you just don't allow, it's like a bird, you know. A bird, it, you just let the bird, you know, shoo him off. Don't let him build a nest on your head. You know, just get, shoo him off. Take the thought captive. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And then there's a battleground in the heavens. God's going to, now some of you, you've seen that. I know you have. You've seen this great battle going on. In the second heaven, third heaven, it's ferocious right now. How many of you have seen it? Literally, it's, I want to know. How many? It's major. I pray God, to the degree that we need to, opens all of our eyes. But some of us, we may not need to see it. It would frighten us, but there's stuff happening over North Carolina. I'm telling you, there are big-time demons throwing arrows at North Carolina right now. You know that, right? The spirit of Antichrist. And what God's doing is stirring up the church. There's fire brewing in the church. And there's stuff happening. Hell is on alert. I can see some of those chief demons that have come to wipe out our state, running back and reporting to hell. Oh, listen, guys, we've got to slow it down. The church is awakening. Something's happening. There's a rumbling. Can you imagine when Jesus was still in the grave? You know, and all of a sudden there was a rumbling. He captured the keys of death, hell, and the grave. I imagine there was a little panic in hell. There's panic right now in hell over what's happening in the church of Jesus Christ. And then there's the battleground in the arena of governments and politics and policy. No, that stuff stinks. How many of you know that? I don't even like to think about it anymore. You listen to it, it's all junk. Listen, that's why it's all going to pass away. Man's policies are not going to produce kingdom's realities. It's the kingdom of God. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will come upon us and bring it to pass. And then there are battlegrounds being played out for the souls of men. And that's one we've got to be engaged in. Man, listen, heaven, hell's gates are definitely open. Your job and my job is to close them for as many people as possible. And then this may shock you. But the church is also a type of a battleground. How many of you knew that? It's where the bride makes herself ready. It's where godly character is chiseled out of carnal minds, men and women. You know, I was thinking, you know, church at times in our worship, it's a little bit like heaven on earth. At other times, church life is like hell on earth. You know what I'm talking about? Because you've got to relate with one another. It's relationships. You got to get along. Iron sharpens iron. That's why folks that have totally disengaged from church life, they will not be used of God in the last day move of God. Because you got to rub up against each other. Listen, we don't have it all together. I may be a finger, you may be a toe, but we got to be connected to the body underneath the head. We got to rub around. We got to look at each other and say, man, you stink sometimes. You know, you, this is terrible. I don't like that about you. And then that guy will open up and say, well, I don't like that about you either. You know, I mean, it's just church life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Are you hearing me? That's why we got to go after those that have disengaged and bring them back. Say, man, listen, this is part of your training for reigning. We need to stir one another up. We need to get on each other's nerves sometimes. And um, I don't know, it's just part of it. It's one of the battlegrounds. Revival is a battleground. Let me tell you, you think things are hot around here? Wait till really stuff breaks out. The fire of God falls and the crowds start coming and they're lined up and we've got to park them and we don't know what to do. Listen, I know. What did he pray for? 100,000 souls 
in Wales, we're praying for one million souls. I'm telling you, you may think I'm crazy. We're praying for one million souls to be saved on this property. Now, I know that looks absolutely impossible with, with man, and it is. But it's not possible with a God that's about to show himself strong to those who loyal, whose hearts are loyal to him. Because this is it. We're living in incredible times. But we're in war. You've got to battle for your future. Don't, it's not just, okay, now, I'm going to coast from here on out. Forget coasting. You're going to, stuff's happening. You've got to rise up. You've got to put on the full armor of God. You know what I'm talking about. You've got to resist the devil. Draw near to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. He will not flee if you ignore him. People think, I'm just going to ignore the devil. It doesn't work that way. He won't let you ignore him. You just won't know he's around. He roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But did you notice that scripture says he roams around like a roaring lion? He's like. He's really teethless. He doesn't... I'm telling you, the resurrection of Jesus took the bite. Took the teeth out of his bite. That's what it did. And we got to know who we are. and Rise up. And be men and women of God. Man, if I could pour spiritual maturity in... I mean, a lot of... In this church... They're some really mature people. They're really, it's amazing. And I'm amazed at the people. But there's some that are still lingering back. We're coming for you. We're coming for you. I'm just telling you, we're coming for you. You're not going to be allowed to stay there. Because we need you. The church is a mighty army and he's raising up and... You know, if you don't think it's warfare, I mean, but this is what you've got to look at. Look at chapter 22. Well, actually, verse 15. Okay, right after, after that, verse 14. After that, God heeded the prayer for the land. Then look in verse 15. You have to read after that. When the, when the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines, and David grew faint. You see, even the young men will grow weary. And faint, but those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagle. There are times we, we grow a little weary, but our God will not grow weary. And if we wait on Him, if our expectation is in Him, we can overcome everything that comes our way because of greater is He that's in us. And then in verse 18, now it happened afterward that there was again a battle with the Philistines of Gob. Verse 19, and again there was war at Gob. Now all of this was after that. That God heeded the prayer for the land. Verse 20. Yet again, there was war at Gath. And there was a man of great statue with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. This was a giant. That's what he was. He was born to the giants. But then you got to have David's attitude. Look in chapter 22. Then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song. On the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies. And he said, the Lord is my rock. And my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior. You save me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and so shall I be saved from my enemies. That's the song you got to sing during the whole time of the warfare. Keep a song in your heart and you will overcome. All right, I'm going to wrap this up. I don't know. Does it make any sense? I'm still part of me is back in Mingo County. I'm, fig I'm, I'm thinking, God, in the birthplace of the Hatfields and McCoys, you sent a great awakening where there was such division. You mean you can move even when folks are divided? Now, there, that's been how many years ago? hundred? I don't know how many years ago. Obviously, a lot's happened. But I'm telling you, there's a rumbling. There's a rumbling. Now, I, I want to remind you, January the 1st, this year, I woke up, and I went out early, and it was still dark, check on our little puppy, and, and um, the Lord spoke two things to me. Do you remember what I, I shared? The first one was, he said, this is the year to pray big prayers. And I felt like God said, don't insult me by asking little things. Man, go for the big. Go for a million. 
Go for healings over cancer. Go for it. Go for great deliverance. Go for it. And so we've been trying to get there. We, gotta, we need more faith, Tyler. We've we got to ask big things. And let me tell you, God wants to show him so strong. And then the next thing was, remember what I heard this church bell in the atmosphere. I actually, it was way off somewhere along the, the valley, but I heard onward Christian soldiers, these church bells. Onward Christian soldiers. You want to come up? Come on up. Onward Christian soldiers. I remember that. And I felt like the Lord said, that is a, that's a song for this year. That's it, man. But onward, mighty is the battle, but mighty is your God. Mighty is your God. He's going to show himself strong one more time. And the midst of it. Listen, listen to the third verse of that song. Like a mighty army moves the church of God. Brothers, we are treading where saints have trod. We are not divided. We are all one body. We one in hope and doctrine, one in charity. Crowns and thorns may perish. Kingdoms will rise and wane. But the church of Jesus constant will remain. Gates of hell can never prevail against that church. We have Christ's own promise that cannot fail. Like a mighty army. It says, at the sign of triumph, Satan's host does flee. On then, Christian soldiers, on to victory. Hell's foundations quiver at the shout of praise. Brothers, lift up your voices. Loud your anthems raise. Amen. Let's just keep playing. Just, uh, just wait on the Lord. Just His presence. Lord, we thank You. We honor Your presence now, Lord. something has just been holding, holding you back you've just been in some kind of vice I'm telling you God wants to break it off of you today you're going to go out of here with fresh faith and fresh passion fresh just freedom where the spirit of the Lord is there's liberty if you're here without Jesus this is the day to be saved man this is the time this is the hour the day of salvation but we want to pray for people around the altar. I need some help. I want the guys that went with me to West Virginia. Come on up. We received an impartation. We want to release it here. If you want that impartation. Because we asked for it. If you ask for it. If you have not because you ask not. That means you get when you ask. So just stand if you would. And let's just. We're going to pray for people. God bless you guys. If you have a. There's something holding on to you. A sickness. A disease. I believe this is the day of healing. Deliverance salvation day of impartation just release that in the name of Jesus